Last week, Pastor Scott was here and shared with us from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. And the question that was asked in that passage is, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And, and so we, we looked at this question of if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And I think that Pastor Scott did a great job of, of bringing that and helping us to, to see that God is in fact for us, that God is not uh, against us. But over the next couple of weeks, we'll be, be taking a look at some things that may seem like evidence that either God or something or someone might be against us. And what do you do in those situations? And so this morning, if you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, we're going to be looking at verses 33 and 34. But let me just read 31 through 34 again. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And so as we look at Romans 8, verse 33, the first question that comes uh, up for us is, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Right? If last week we we said, uh, if God is for us, who might be against us? Then this week, then if God is for us, who might be against us? Who then could bring a charge against God's elect? Who could do that? The reality is, Many people, right? So sometimes when I actually first read this, I went, yeah, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who could possibly bring a charge against me? I've got God on my side. And then I started thinking about it. Well, lots of people. Lots of people could bring a charge against me. In fact, charges are brought all the time. Sometimes directly at me, sometimes just at, at the church in general. And, and I, I see this. More and more charges being brought. You are not tolerant. You are not loving. You are not accepting. You are not kind. You are judgmental. These are, are things that, that are coming against us. It's amazing to me to see the way that that um, the people around us set their values and priorities and say, this is what is most important, these things in this order. And I stand back and I go, no, no. I, I understand your values and priorities and that order, but I believe that God is sovereign over all of things, and so I would shift that order just a little bit. Rearrange the values, rearrange the priorities, and I would put them in this order. Bigot. 
who are you to say that? But it wasn't it wasn't me, actually. I just am saying that I think God put these things in this order. Who are you to say that? And I just have to go, who are you? But what I am seeing more and more is that churches and Christians and church leaders are capitulating to the pressures and the charges that are brought against them. I saw a video this week um, put out by Upworthy. You know, the one of those, these are universally positive videos. And I watched this pastor say, yes, I, I was setting my church this way, and we were doing these things, and we were growing by hundreds of people a week. And then this issue came up, and I said, ah, I, I just can't. I have, to, I have to take this side because I'm seeing these people in front of me that are affected by this issue and I just, I just have to stand with them. And because of that, I had people coming into my office every day going, but the Bible says, the Bible, and he said, he said, I don't care. I have this person in front of me who is being hurt by this issue. I don't care what the Bible says. And I was watching this video and going, what? Who are you? You have your values and priorities all mixed up. And the obvious endorsement of this video was that this pastor, though it cost him dearly, was taking a stand for what was culturally right. Now, the, what the issue is, is not important. There's many different issues it could be. But the reality that you would set aside God's word and set God aside because of the charges, the accusations that the world brings against, it's just not okay. It's just not okay. Because what we find when we do that is that what we're saying is, I don't believe in God. Now, if I were to press this pastor on it, I'm sure that he would push back on that. If I were to say to him, look, what you're doing demonstrates that you do not believe in God, he would say, no, I absolutely do believe in God. That's why I'm the pastor of this church. I would say, but you don't believe that God is real. Because you want to make up who he is and what he thinks despite what he has told you. Which means that you have made the culture to be God, rather than acknowledge the creator and sustainer of all things. 
You see, if God is the creator and sustainer of all things, if God is real, then he decides what the values and priorities are. And no one can change or reorder those. They have no right to do so. And so when this says, who Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? What we recognize is that charges are brought all the time against God's elect. But God is the one who justifies. But God is the one who justifies. And so when those illegitimate charges are brought against you, recognize it is God who justifies. Somebody accuses you of something. Yes, that's true. But it's because I believe that God actually cares about holiness. He actually cares that his people be distinct and set apart and has called them to this standard, this position. And because he is the creator of all things, because he is sovereign, because he is ultimate judge over all things, he has the right to set those as he wishes. You see, we we don't want to ascribe that to God. We, We don't want to give that authority over to God. Many people don't want to give that authority over to God. They go, well, I don't like the way that he does it. I don't like his choices. I don't like his rules. I don't like his standards. I don't like the way he chooses to do that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether or not you like it. If God is real, God can set them however he wants. And that's the way it works. So when somebody brings charges against you because you are following the ways that God has called you to, What difference does it make? It is God who justifies. It is God who justifies. Yeah, have you ever had it where somebody told you, this is what I need you to do? <clears throat> had a friend tell me, uh, can you go over to my house? I, I gave me a call. Can you go over to my house and get this thing for me? I don't have a key to your house. That's okay. The back door, uh, if you just sort of jimmy it a little bit, it will pop open, and then you can get in the back, and you can go in and get the thing for me. Well, you can imagine how that looks to the neighbors, right? When I go over and I jimmy the door and the slide, and then I go inside to go get the thing, and then the neighbors, hey, what are you doing? You're not allowed to do that. What are you... Okay, I, I know how this looks. <laughs> I, I do understand what this looks, but really and truly this is a friend of mine who lives here and he asked me to break into his house <laughs> and take his stuff to him. You, you see, what they think doesn't matter because it belongs to my friend. It's his house. He told me to do that. While it looked like I was breaking the rules and doing something I shouldn't be doing, he told me to do that. He is the one who justifies God is the one who stands behind us and says, yes, you are following me, even though accusations may come against you. I am the one who justifies you. I am the one who justifies when you are acting morally correct, even though the world may say you are acting morally incorrect. 
you are obeying me and I am justifying your behavior. That is correct. That is what I have called you to do. As God's people, he has called us to something and we must follow him. Despite despite whatever charges, accusations may be brought against us from anyone else, we must choose that we will follow God. All other accusations are illegitimate. They don't hold any water. They don't hold any weight. Although we do feel their pressure. Sometimes are even made to feel guilty because we have decided to follow God rather to follow the pressures of those who have come against us. Yet still, they are illegitimate. Conversely, there are legitimate charges also, huh? Yeah, it's true. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It's not that no one can bring a charge. Many, many people can bring charges. Some of them are bringing illegitimate charges. Those will hold no weight. We don't have to worry about those. Ignore those people. Just continue to follow God. Then there are the people who have legitimate charges against us. These are painful. Because we know those are true. That... That's a legitimate charge. Romans chapter 3, verse 9 says this. What then? Are we Jews any better off? Nope, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, no one, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. That um, is unfortunate. When you're talking about whether or not people are bringing charges, who can come against it? Who can bring charges against God's elect? I have a charge. Um, charge number one, your throat is an open grave. Your tongues are being used to deceive. There are, your mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Any of these sticking? Sometimes we have people who bring those same charges against us. In fact, they're difficult to distinguish sometimes between the illegitimate ones and the legitimate ones because they come so close together and often mingled. And so while some of the illegitimate charges come and say, hey, you're not being kind and nice and affirming and tolerating and encouraging and celebrating the things that we say that you are supposed to be tolerating, encouraging and celebrating along with us, we go, yeah, no, can't do that. Illegitimate charge. Also, you're not being kind or loving or generous or gracious to those same people. Ooh, ah, yeah. About that. That, okay, right. 
Yeah, okay, so tolerating, celebrating, encouraging, that right, but gracious, loving, compassionate also do need to do that. And you're right, those, those charges, I have not been that way. I have not been gracious, compassionate, and loving toward those people. I have instead been judgmental and condemning myself. Sometimes the, the charges come legitimately against us. Sometimes somebody comes against us, comes against us and says, you have injured me. You have injured me physically. You have injured me with your words. You have injured me emotionally. This is your fault because you have done damage to me. I am bringing charges against you. And what are we going to say to that? We did that. We did that. Sure, yeah, okay. What then shall we say against these things? This was Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can stand against us? God didn't even spare his own son, but gave him, us up, gave him up for us all. But does God know about this? I mean, yeah, that's a big if. If God is for us, who can be against us? But if God knew what I had done, would he really be for me? I've talked with people that say, if you knew what I have done, you would know that God could not. You would know. There are people who come against us with legitimate charges. Sometimes our own minds act against us in this regard. Do you know what you've done? How could you have done that? How could you have used your money in that way? How could you have used your words in that way? How could you have used your time in that way? How could you have treated them so poorly? How could you have neglected them? How could you have forgotten when they told you about that really important thing yesterday and then you saw them today and you didn't bother to ask or follow up because you didn't care? And the charges just keep coming. And what I find is that Satan, the accuser, can bring charges that they are legitimate charges. Yes, I have done those things. My mind brings these charges against me. Yes, I have done these things. My uh, accusers, the ones whom I have wronged and hurt and injured legitimately, come to me and say, you have done these things. In fact, God has all these things that he could bring against me, and these are all legitimate charges, and I begin to be crushed under the weight of all of these things that come against me. So that when I read a, a verse like, who shall bring any charge against God's elect, I go... Too many people. There are too many. In fact, I find that one of the, the most insidious of them is that of doubt. If you had your mind tell you that God could not be for you because you doubt... You don't have enough faith. 
You don't have enough faith. Why should God be for you? Why should God justify you? You're not even confident in him. Look at how that's evidenced by the sin in your life. And then you say you believe, but do you really believe? Do you believe good enough? And the charges come against us. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And then we have this response. It is God who justifies. Interesting. Who shall bring charges against God's elect? He didn't bother answering the question. He just left the question hanging out there for us to fill in the blank. Okay, who could bring in charges against me? Lots of people could bring charges against me. Okay, so if you want to answer that question, fill in the blank. Who could bring any charges? Everyone. We'll just put in everyone because that's all encompassing. And then what's his response? God justifies. It doesn't matter. Who brought the charges? Doesn't matter. God justified. Well, what if it was my wife? God justified. Even my wife? Yep, God justified. My neighbor? My boss? My children? The illegitimate charges? God justified. The legitimate charges? God justifies. Even the legitimate charges, right? So you get a call from your credit card company and they say, we see some suspicious activity on your uh, statement here and we just want you to verify that these were you. Yes, those were me. You know, you're tempted at that, that moment to go, no, I have no idea where those came from. Could you just remove those charges? I'm sure that was on accident. But they call and you answer and you yep, that was me. Those were legitimate charges. God justifies. Romans 3 again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the gospel right here. This is the good news. The good news is that, yes, while there are many, God himself, Satan, your mind, others, all have legitimate charges against you that they can bring against you. God justifies through faith, and that's a free gift. That's a free gift. Just take a deep breath. Because as we start talking about those charges that mount up against us, it starts to get a little heavy in here. I get a little bit tight-chested. And then you read about, but wait, 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 wait. God justifies. God justifies. 
And it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the thing that is most incredible to me about who God is. That he is just and the justifier. You know, there have been lots of people in lots of different cultures, in lots of different places who have worshipped many different types of gods. And many of those gods are vengeful kinds of gods. If you don't do the right thing, boom, they will crush you. It is almost as though they are waiting for you to mess up so that they can crush you. Whether this is a storm god, or a thunder god, or an ocean god, or a volcano god, or whatever kind of god this is, they are just waiting for you to do the wrong thing so that they can crush you with their destructive power. And if that God were real, they would have the right to do that. You may not like the way that they do it, but they would have the right to do that. But what we see is that God is real and he is not that kind of God. He is not watching us going, I'm just waiting for you to do the wrong thing so that kaboom, I can crush you. Instead, what he is doing is he's saying, I am watching and I love you and you are doing the wrong thing. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer my son and kaboom, I'm going to crush him so that I don't crush you. And if you believe that my son has taken your place, then I will not need to crush you because I have already crushed him. Therefore, I can both be just dealing with the sin and be the justifier moving the sin from you to here so that it's dealt with. Whoa! How did he do that? That's like some high level stuff. That he could just go, you know what? Some people want me to be good and loving. And other people want me to be just. And I'm going to do both perfectly. Because that's who I am. And I look at that and go, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith to show his righteousness And because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Now, in the context of Romans chapter 3, the reason that this was put forward was so that we wouldn't boast. Right? You remember that? Way back in Romans chapter 3, we did preach that at one time. You'd have to go dig way back into the archives to find it. But way back there, we talked about Romans chapter 3, and the reason that we have this text here is so that we wouldn't boast, so that we wouldn't think, you know, I'm a pretty good person, I've been doing all the right things, and so I am justified by my actions. And this very clearly laid out, no, 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 you are sinful, you have not been justified by your actions, but... You are justified by faith in Christ. So be humble. Do not be proud. That's why this was brought forward. Now, the same idea is brought in chapter 8, not to keep us humble, but to keep us from being afraid. 
to keep us from being fearful about the charges that might come against us. Wait, these charges are legitimate. I didn't act correctly. I'm not worried at this point about being humble because I already know I am worthless. The charges are being brought against me, but I don't have to be afraid of those charges and the condemnation that will come with those charges because God has justified us. He is both just and the justifier. Who shall bring charges? Who shall bring charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And then he moves on. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Verse 34. Who is to condemn? Another question just hanging out there. Who can condemn us? Probably too many people, right? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Well, now, all of this judicial language, right? The charges are brought. Now we're, we're, we sort of have this courtroom scene where the, the verdict is going to be given. The condemnation is going to be brought down. So the charges have been brought. Now we're waiting for the condemnation. And will the condemnation fall? Remember, God has justified. It is God who justifies. So who will condemn? Who has the right to condemn? God, right? God has the right to condemn. It is Jesus, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised. In John chapter 3, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the only Son of God. So now we have this choice. Who is to condemn? Who is to condemn? Our actions have condemned us already unless we believe in Jesus and that sin has been removed from us and put on him instead. He came Not to condemn, but so that we might be saved from the condemnation. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, right? So we talk about the gospel, we talk about the good news, that though we have this sin, it has been transferred to Christ, and He took our place, He took the punishment that we deserved, He died in our place, but more than that, it didn't end there, He was raised again who was raised and who now is at the right hand of God. So God the Son is sitting at the right hand of God the Father in this position of power and authority, right? This is my right hand man right here. This is the one. He's been, because he died, because he raised, he, he was raised, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He has complete authority at this point. The condemnation, the judgment, the verdict is his to give. But what's he doing? Look, what's he doing? Interceding. He's in this position where he could be the judge and instead 
He's playing the lawyer. On your side. That's awesome. He's going, uh, Heavenly Father, Dad, um, I just want to let you know. My client is guilty. I have already paid for their debt, though, and so I think you should let them go. Can you imagine a courtroom show like that? That'd be like the most boring, exciting show ever. Every episode the same. Uh, Judge, I'd just like to let you know that this person is guilty of all of the things they're being accused of. Okay, that was easy. No evidence. No, we didn't have to trot out witnesses or anything. You just, are you guilty? Yes, I am. Okay, why should I let you go? Because he's my lawyer. Okay? Lawyer, why should I let them go? Because I have paid the punishment for them already. You already took care of that? Yep, it's already been dealt with. All right, you're good, free to go. Now, I say that would be boring because when you just look at the mechanics of the thing, how boring is that? You, we want to see the drama. We want to see the witnesses. We want to see them dragged through the mud as the witnesses accuse them. We want to see the tears and all of these things, right? But, but this is just really straightforward. They just come in. They say, yes, I'm guilty, but I believe in Jesus that he took my place. And so uh, would you let me free? And Jesus says, that's true. They do believe in me and I have taken their place. Would you let them free? Boom, done. Easy. Really boring on the one hand, super exciting on the other hand, because here comes this person into the courtroom who fully deserves the punishment and condemnation that will be brought down on them, except their lawyer stands up and says, I've taken it already, you don't have to. Woo! And so the witness, or the, the uh, what do you call that guy? Defendant, right? Yeah, defendant. The, the person who is accused, rightfully so, comes in expecting judgment and instead gets freedom. Yes! Lots of dancing, lots of excitement, lots of rejoicing. The family is there, all of them rejoicing. Even the judge gets up and does a dance because, yeah, this is great! And God the Father says, you did that? Hey, everybody, look at what he did. And everybody in the whole world rejoices because the son is standing as the lawyer testifying and saying, I have taken their place. They're going free. And everybody rejoices. That, did you know that's what we're doing in church every single Sunday? Every single Sunday. We're coming in here and we're rejoicing and going, hey, you know what happened for me? I went into the law room, into the courtroom. And they brought the charges against me, and they were totally legit. And the, def- the defense attorney stood up and said, I've already paid the debt. And then you turn to the person next to you, and they go, hey, me too, same thing. We should tell other people about this. This is the best attorney ever. Everybody should know about this attorney. Because everybody's got these kinds of charges that they're trying to hide, that they're trying to pay for. They're trying to figure out, okay, well, if I don't send my kid to college, maybe if I save up for the next 35, 70, 115 years, I'll be able to pay off this debt. When I should just tell him, hey, if you hire my attorney, just believe that he's a good one, and then you're done. 
Who can bring charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 23 says this. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, that's Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. This is our Savior, who is saving us to the uttermost. Our confidence is always in Him. Whatever the charges that are brought against you, whether they are legitimate or illegitimate, it does not matter because God justifies you through the death and resurrection of Jesus who now sits at His right hand making intercession for you. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we need to be reminded of these things. We need to be reminded because otherwise people with illegitimate charges make us worry that we need to change our behavior in order to appease them without recognizing that you are the judge of all the earth. Father, we need to be reminded of these things because otherwise people bring legitimate charges against us and we worry that we will be sunk forever. But you being judge of all the earth have already provided a way for us to be freed from our sin. And so, Lord, we rejoice in that today. We ask that you would refresh our hearts this morning as we meditate on these truths and that as we rejoice in them and bring you glory and praise in worship now, that you would receive it because of the things that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.